0: Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keene, the senior pastor. And wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's gonna really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Well,
1: I wanna read two passages from the New Testament and these passages paint a very relevant picture And they're describing the time of the New Testament, but it might as well be talking about right now. It might as well be talking about today. In fact, the first verse I'm going to read, I heard someone say on Tuesday. Here we go. 1 Peter 4 verse 7. The end of all things is near. Who's heard that lately? Yep. (laughs) Who's heard it on Facebook? Yes, that's right. (laughs) The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Verse 12 coming up here in the Bible is titled, Suffering for Being a Christian. And before we read this, I want to say that I just think in the West, we really don't know what suffering as a Christian is. We, we really don't. I remember reading this as a 15-year-old and feeling empowered. I identified with that. I thought, yes, I've been made to come to Kids Church at 7 a.m. for setup. I am suffering for Jesus. I identify with the disciples. I really don't think we know what suffering is in the West, in the church. And, you know, in verse 12, here's what it says. It says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. How good is that? If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. We're going to read one more passage, Luke chapter 14, verse 25. It's a great passage. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate Father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, I've been 15 and this scripture also resonated with me because there was times in my life where I wasn't allowed to go and see a certain Adam Sandler movie and I did hate my mother and father. (laughs) I felt like I was really applying the word that day. That's not what this scripture is saying. That's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is painting a picture of what our love for God should look like. It should make the love we have for other relationships look like hate. Our love for God should be so far and above our love for other people that it stands out and makes everything else look like hate. Verse 27, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation, while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be... My disciples, here's the key takeaways for us today. Be faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Christians, do not be surprised at the ordeals as though something strange were happening to you. They're going to happen. Rejoice when you participate in the sufferings of Christ. If you're insulted because of the name of Jesus, you are blessed. Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to God and continue to do good. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow cannot be a disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build, sit down first and count the cost. Many begin to build but are unable to finish. And those of us that do not give up everything cannot be a disciple. Being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, not just someone that goes to church, but someone who's a disciple. They're passionate for Jesus. It is costly it comes at a great price it's hard it's challenging there is opposition but it's the greatest thing you'll ever do being a disciple of Jesus Christ comes at a great cost but it is the best thing you could ever do serving God being in the purpose of God the will of God for your life while you're here on the planet comes at a great cost is it worth it yes it is and when our answer is yes, it is greatly reflected in our life. Many years ago, and this story may resonate with you, I went to the Perth Royal Show, or the Royal Ripoff as it's known um, in some places. Here's where that comes from. I paid to get in. I paid to go on a ride and then I paid for my dinner and I stood in line for 40 minutes to get a rooster roll from Chicken Treat and the rooster roll sent me back $17 and as I sat down to eat it, I nearly had to be rushed to ER at the Burns, as the the roll was at 140 degrees Celsius. Anyone experienced that? The top of my mouth was on fire. Was that worth it? <laughs> no, absolutely not. That experience cost me far too much, and what I received was not worth it. But there's other things in my life that come at a great cost that are absolutely worth it. Um, Bianca and I have recently become parents. Becoming a parent is the most hectic thing, but it's the most amazing thing. It's absolutely worth it. Becoming a new parent's like receiving a warm embrace from a freight train. (laughs) You're feeling the love and you also feel spangled. But parents, is it worth it? Absolutely. Everybody, there is a cost to many things in life. And I would make a strong case that anything worth having comes at a great cost to something in your life. Recently on TV, we've seen people win gold medals. And and I would love to have won a gold medal. I would have loved to have been up there singing my national anthem. But I've not been willing to pay the cost that those athletes have to receive the medal. Many of us want to have the medal, but we're not willing to pay the price. You know, there's a great price to being used by God. There's a cost to doing the work of God. There's a price to continuing to serve God through the seasons and trials. There's a cost to continuing to be faithful and unwavering throughout the seasons of life. And that's what I want to speak on today. And I prepared a few titles. We're going to have a look at them on the screen. I started with this, as as most of my messages do. Insert epic message title here. Let's have a look at the next one. I wanted to preach on this. He didn't tell me it would be hard. Actually, he did in brackets. Let's have a look at the next one. Don't wiggle off the altar. We're called to be a living sacrifice. Many of us are trying to wiggle our way out of being sacrificed for Jesus. Let's have a look at the next one. A living sacrifice, playing dead or playing sleeping lines. You get the idea? So let's have a look at the next one. This is, this is one I'm stuck with. A price worth paying. A price worth paying. There's a great price to being the will of God for your life, but it is a price worth paying. You know, when we first put our faith in Jesus, the the focus needs to be to look at what God has done for us, to look at what God has done to reach out to us. He made the first move. And I love what Pastor Jade said on Friday. We didn't find God because he wasn't lost. He found us. Once we receive Jesus, we then move from what God has done for us to a response of what can I now do to serve my God? What can I now do to serve my Lord and Saviour? We actually can make it about what God can do for me. And a whole lot of people do. People can sit in church for many years and come to church with the mindset of now that I'm here, God, what can you do for me? Um, We can wake up every morning and go, all right, God, what can you do for me? And, And I can assure you that he can do a lot. He can do a lot in every area of your life and in your heart. But your heart, our hearts, my heart should be in response to what you've done for me, God, what can I do for you? In saving my soul, God has done enough. In transforming my life, God's done enough. In securing my eternity, God's done enough. He, he could not do another thing for me and he's still worthy of a life of service from me. Romans 12 puts it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, proper worship. The NIV kind of took the edge off. The NKJV's even worse. Let's have a look. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's not even impressive, it's not amazing. There's been times where I felt like a living sacrifice. I've stacked the chairs after some MTPs and I thought, I'm a living sacrifice. Surely God is going to bestow upon me a well done. But you know what? <laughs> that wasn't really a sacrifice. And even if it was, it was just reasonable in response to what God has done. Many times I've wanted the gold star. <laughs> and God has simply gone, Nice reasonable you know Jesus has saved us and he calls us to be like him we are most like Jesus when we live a life of sacrifice and service a life of sacrifice for the betterment of others for the kingdom and for the glory of God even though Jesus was holy and set apart he was down in the dirt in the midst of the broken and the cast out bringing the love of God and he calls us to be like him The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said that Paul said he imitated Christ. And then the Apostle Paul helps us and encourages us to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. If we aspire to be like Paul, that looks also like a life of service and sacrifice at great cost to his life. When we want to be like Jesus, Jesus was actually beaten, mocked, betrayed, lied about, experienced injustice, and was greatly tempted. When we aspire to be like the Apostle Paul, he was beaten, whipped, mocked, wrongfully imprisoned, shipwrecked and martyred. Why would anyone want to be like them? Why would they pay that price? Because they believed, as I believe, that it's absolutely worth it. It was worth it for the sake of the kingdom. It was worth it to glorify God. It was worth it so that the gospel could spread. It was worth it so that people could come to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Church, I want to challenge you. Your comfort, your time, your money, your plans, your life are a price worth paying so that people may know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. For God and for the sake of the gospel, Paul and the disciples, they all believed there was nothing too big, no task too great, no sacrifice too big, that they would not pay to see the kingdom of God go forward. How inspiring. As our hearts our heart's desire better aligns with God's, we too become up for this. We too go, hey, there's nothing too big, no obstacle too great, no one heart night too late that I won't do to see the kingdom of God go forward. The work of God on earth, the kingdom, his church, all that that brings, salvation, restoration, discipleship, health, community, transformation, we all want it. Who's going to pay for it? I went to Kingsway's new auditorium the other day, Kingsway Christian College. They have a brand new, I don't know if it's brand new, it's a couple of years old, 900 seat auditorium. It's unreal. I went inside it and the first thing I thought was, who paid for this? I thought, what are, the, what are the school fees here to pay for this? It's unbelievable. You know, someone paid for it. Great things come at a cost to someone. The church on earth today, our church being as it is, has come at a great cost to some people and it will only remain great and be all it's called to be as people pay a cost for it to be great. I would think that most Christians all want a move of God. We want a radiant church, people passionate for Jesus, but who's going to pay for it? And I'm not talking about money because even in revival, someone's got to put the chairs out. And some of the appeal for my generation, a modern generation is hungry for revival because they think it means they won't have to do anything anymore. 800 teenagers are bussed in with permission slips already signed because revival, you know what I mean? (laughs) We are trying to find a way for us to not be the means God uses when in fact we are the means God wants to use. I've got a great story about little Timmy in Sunday, Sunday school. I tell this every three months. <laughs> little Timmy's at Sunday school, and the Sunday school teacher gets up and says, Kids, who wants to give a thousand dollars to Jesus? And the, the kids erupt. Yes, we want to do it. She starts going down. $500, who wants to give five? Yeah. She gets to $1. Kids, who wants to give a dollar to Jesus? Everyone goes nuts except little Timmy. Little Timmy's just straight faced. The teacher says, Timmy. Why didn't you get excited about giving a dollar to Jesus? He said, well, miss, I actually have one dollar. We can get excited, but when it's time to actually do it, we can be greatly challenged. Usually what you personally are most reluctant to give is what God requires of you. We are called to be a living sacrifice, a life given to him. And it might not be that you'll be whipped, imprisoned, or shipwrecked, but... What cost is God asking you to pay? What is it that God has asked you to do? How has God asked you to sacrifice and serve? Whatever the cost is, I want to encourage you, it's worth paying. But church, it's only possible in Christ. It's actually only desirable in Christ. What kind of crazy person would want this? You know, church, it's only worth it in Christ. 2 Timothy 4 6 says this This is Paul speaking, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who've longed for his appearing. Philippians 2, verse 14 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure. "'Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. "'Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky "'as you hold firmly to the word of life. "'And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ "'that I did not run or labour in vain. "'But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering "'on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, "'I am glad and rejoice with all of you. "'So you too should be glad and rejoice with me.'" Somewhere along the way in the church, we've exchanged the words poured out for burnt out. Burnt burnt out things can't be lit again. Poured out things can be filled again. The devil wants the church and wants you to get into this thinking that you're burnt out and can't go on fire again. But can I encourage you that feeling you have is actually one of being poured out? Eighty percent of my life I feel poured out. If I listen to my fresh uh, fresh flesh. If I listen to my fresh flesh. Or, or some of the, the friends to my comfort and not the friends to my future. I would have said I'm burnt out a long time ago. But if I listen to God, I realise that I actually need a Sabbath. As I listen to my godly leaders, I think about how can I carry this wiser? Where in Margaret River can I stay? What's an appropriate bedtime? As Christians, we're all called to a life of high output, high input, it's up to us to steward our tanks, to spend time with God daily as we're filled again, to be able to pour out again. When any believer dies, wouldn't it be the best thing to be said of you that they live the life poured out for the gospel? Wouldn't that be awesome? It's a change in our thinking. I want to encourage you Christians, if you feel used, great. If you feel empty, Great. God loves, loves empty things because he can fill them up, be filled again, and go again because it's worth it. You know, when we ask God for a cake, he often gives us eggs, flour, sugar. We ask for a move of God. Usually what God does is he gives us responsibility. He gives us his word. He gives us his spirit. Um, like the ingredients, he's given us everything we need. We just need to follow the recipe. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, God, in His grace and His mercy, has given us His Word, His Spirit, this church, our pastors, friends, the Bible app, podcasts, that web series, The Chosen. We have a lot of things that can empower and encourage us. Staying passionate, zealous, and focused on the call of God is our responsibility to steward. 2 Corinthians 6.11 says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide-open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. The original language of that scripture speaks to this word which has got this meaning of ever-increasing. Ever-increasing. I feel like my responsibility in God's house has been ever increasing. And and praise God, because I hope it stays that way. And I might regret saying that from the platform. But we need to have a heart and an attitude of how can I better steward what God's given me today so I can be entrusted with more tomorrow. Good stewardship of time and responsibilities means God can entrust you with more. Now, church, I'm not stupid and naive. There absolutely is a max. And there are seasons in life when this is not possible for people. Maybe certain things are happening in your life and it's not appropriate for you to be, maybe it's appropriate for you to wiggle off the altar for a season and have some healing. But we have a max, each of us have a max on what's possible. But we also have attitudes and desires. And the main thing is, do we seek to do more for God on a daily basis or less? Are we trying to do less for the kingdom and less for church. You know, my pet peeve as a young adults pastor and as a youth pastor is, I have 20-year-olds retiring from the ministry after what they believe was a good run. And they say, Jordan, you know, I really was a life poured out for Jesus at Be The Light Conference in 2015. It's time for a season of rest. And I say to them, mate, you're 20. Pastor Mari has more accumulated hours praying than you have on the planet. And somehow somehow people who don't have space for God's house will put on Instagram just rewatched all 9 seasons of How I Met Your Mother. And I say you've just revealed to me your priorities in life. There's a reality of maxing out and there's also a perceived one. And your attitude and desires will help figure out which one it is that you're feeling. When you feel that sense, that's when you Sabbath, when you rest, when you replenish, you play drums, you go to Charcoal Charlie's, have a burger. Proverbs 14.4 says this. This is a, a scripture that Mr. Barlow introduced to me. It's very strange. <laughs> he said it to me with no context in his office and I thought, praise God. Then he unpacked it for me. It says this, when there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant harvest comes by the strength of the ox. Let's pray. No. <laughs> you know, the, the Jordan commentary says this, lots of ox, lots of harvest, messy barn. If the goal is a clean ordered barn, you won't produce much. What does that mean? If, if cleanliness, being on top of everything, complete control, perfect order is the goal of your life, you probably won't get much done. There's that guy in the New Testament Jesus talks about, he builds these great barns, he sit backs, relaxes and enjoys them rather than using them for God. Uh, When when Bianca, Micah and I are at our most effective for the kingdom as a young family um, and specifically I remember a season where we had in, in a three week period two holiday hangouts, refill and noon till night. Specifically I remember in that season that the house got a little messy. A couple of loads of washing stayed in the machine for a couple of days the weeds were out of control. I was jotting sermons down on my phone whilst walking around the park, putting Micah to sleep. We did a couple of click and collects. I sprinted out the door many a morning with a muesli bar and vomit down my shirt. I had an extra long black. I even had it from 7-Eleven. Don't judge me. It was perhaps what could be said as a messy season. But messy bun, because we were being flippin' productive, we were taking hold of every opportunity God was giving us and we wanted to, to do our best. I would rather... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, would rather, I would rather that... Here's what I would rather, church. I would rather that than be on top of all the washing, not have a weed in my front lawn, but have not said a great big yes to the call of God. Now, was that season a bit wild? Was Micah having more bridging naps? Yes. But after it, here's what we did. We rest. We Sabbath. We have family time. We go to Kau You take time to refresh and recharge. This is what the Bible teaches us. We go hard for God, and then we rest and replenish. Church, can I encourage you, don't be cost-averse, Whatever God has called you to is beyond your capability and needs the empowerment of God. If you're cost-averse, you never feel like you need God. I'm, I'm always intrigued as a pastor um, by watching people's responses to altar calls to be filled again. Some people are very casual about coming down for prayer. But then you see these certain people who every altar call are like reaching out to God, crying out to God. I look at that and usually go, they're probably doing a lot for God. Because they can't depend on anything else to do what only God can empower them to do. If you're, leaning in every, if you're not leaning into God's grace every day, perhaps you've got it too easy and you've wheeled off the altar in some way. Can I encourage you as well? Don't take cost away from others. As I said before, I have friends of my flesh and then I have friends to my future. There are people that want to make serving God easier for me, but in doing that make me less Effective. Find friends to your future, not your comfort. Sometimes there's, um, um, even like with a kid, right? You can do the homework for the kid. You can take the test for the kid. You can do all the housework for the kid. But before you know it, they're a little sport brat. Because we've taken the challenge away. We've taken the cost away. We've taken the responsibility away. I'm looking forward one day to seeing Micah serve God and, I, and I, I, was jo- I was jotting down some thoughts about when he's 15. Micah's 15. He's come home f- Friday afternoon, tired from setting up tribal games at youth camp with his Connect leader, Felix Musa. <laughs> he's then at church Friday night serving on the kids roster under Imogen Slater's team. <laughs> he then sleeps in Saturday and then gets up early for church Sunday morning to put on his car park vest and serve on Jaden Naveen's team. And I can see Micah doing that as a 15-year-old. And I want him to not be doing it for me, not be doing it for his mum, not even his youth pastor, who will probably be Lucy Slater at the time. But I want him to be doing all of that for God. And I want him to have that challenge. I want him to have those growth moments, the rise-up moments, the revealer of priorities moment. And the key is what I just mentioned. It's focusing on God on Jesus, and focusing on others. When we make a life of sacrifice and service about anything else, that's when the burnt out thing creeps in. That's when the motivation goes away. Aligned desire with God's brings joy to what others may see as unappealing. Why would someone want to come in and set up tribal games for six hours? (laughs) I don't know. No. Because they can draw the connection to teenagers coming, having fun, experiencing a safe place at church and being open to God. And they're not doing it for their youth pastor. They're not doing it, even though it is fun, they're doing it as worship to God. The only way to get that church is through word and prayer. When you do that, there's no challenge too big. There's no stack of chairs too high. (laughs) There's no stain on the carpet too big. (laughs) You know, to not sit down... In disappointment and pain is also costly. But the road to healing and recovery for you often looks like service to others and service to God and service in His house. When we're struggling, they're usually the first things to go. When we're struggling, we we come off service to others. We come off service to God. But that can often be the best thing for you in that season. Sometimes we don't have the ability and we need a break. And I mentioned that before, sometimes we're in a season where we literally can't, and that's okay. But that's different to when we have the ability, but just not the desire. The desire to be a living sacrifice only comes from God. It can only come from God. It can only come from your time spent with Him in the Word, because it does not make sense unless it's supernatural, unless it is the work of God. Church, we are called to be a living sacrifice, to be a disciple. It is costly, but it's absolutely worth it. Just invite the band to come up. You know, you can't step into the call of God, the purpose and plan of God for your life, if you're not first walking with Him. When God saves you, He also calls you to a great purpose. And that, that, that plan that God has for you is the only place where you'll actually feel true fulfillment and purpose in your life. But before you can step into the call of God, you have to first receive God. You have to first respond to God. And I want to encourage you, if you're in church today, God has an incredible plan and purpose for your life. And it's a life of adventure. And here's a less exciting word. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of serving but it's the greatest thing you'll ever do. It's the reason we're put on the planet, to glorify our God, to respond to what He's done by saying, God, what is it you would have me do as worship to you? Whatever the cost, God, I'm up for it because you are worth it. Church, can we stand together?
0: Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others